Well, this morning we have a treat for you. We have a guest speaker from within our congregation, and um, his name is Les. So, Les, why don't you come on up? And Les is going to minister to us this morning. So, let's welcome Les as he comes and ministers. His beautiful wife, Carolyn, there. Les, you've been with us for about a year or so. Yeah, about a year or so, yeah. And Les was actually a pastor. He's been in pastoral ministry 60 years. I'm barely 60. I'm just over 60 here. And so I was still in diapers maybe when you started ministering. So, But you don't look a day older than 60, so I'm not sure what happened to you. So, <laughs> Anyways, but he's been pastoring for many, many years, been in ministry for many years. And so uh, we were chatting one day. Actually, Les wrote a book. You going to tell him about your book too? You weren't going to do it? Well, I'll tell you about it. It's a, he doesn't have anything over here, but I read his book, and it was incredible about the hearing the voice of God. And it was on Psalm. Which Psalm was it on? Psalms, uh, yeah. 29. 29. It's on Psalm 29. It's about hearing the voice of God, right? And so it was a really good book, actually. So if you want one, talk to him. He's got a, he's got a few around. So anyways, so we're going to allow Les to minister to us this morning. Father, I thank you for Les, and I thank you. For the, for the treasure that's within him, the valuable treasures and the valuable things that he stored within his soul for over the years of, these, of ministry experience. And Lord, as he ministers your word today, we, we say oh, our heart is open to this man, to you through this man, Lord God, as he ministered to us, Lord God. And I know you have something special for us today that, le- that you put on Les's heart for us. We thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Wayne. I'm just going to move this up a little bit here so I don't back up into the rest of the sound system here. Amen. I'm going to speak on... Uh, yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I want to tell you, oh, Pastor Wayne actually asked if I would speak on refreshing, times of refreshing. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning, times of refreshing. And uh, that word refresh... I'll just grab my notes and open them up here so I don't just blabber from my own heart. But the word refresh means a breath of fresh air. Breath of fresh air. Refreshing. The word re or the prefix re means do it again. Do it again, do it again, do it again. Okay? So when we talk about refreshing, when the Bible talks about refreshing, uh, you know, God is saying, hey, I want to do this again and again and again and again and again in your life. I want to bring refreshing to you. Okay? And so uh, that's one of the meanings of refresh is a breath of fresh air. There's something that those of us who live in the North Lethbridge, we could have used, I think it was on Thursday night. My, the, uh, the smell that came through the city, at least the north end of the city. Uh, Carolyn doesn't smell anything, but uh, my nose is very sensitive, and I found it difficult to even go to sleep. And I was praying, oh, God, bring a refreshing. Turn the wind in another direction or whatever. Lord God, just to bring a fresh air, okay, a fresh breath of fresh air, okay, on that. It also means recovery of breath. You know, when we feel exhausted, when we feel like, you know, like, I can't go on. You know, we need that refreshing. We need that revival. Actually, the word revival comes from that as well. We need to be revived. Every one of us in our spirit, man, we need to be revived. Just as we do in our physical man, in our soulish mind, man, we need refreshing to come into every area of our life. And uh, so I, I, I look for that. It also means rest in some situations. You know, we can rest 
We rest in God. We rest in Jesus. We rest in the truth. We rest in who Jesus made us. Okay, there's so many things that we can rest in. And so that's part of the refreshing, okay, that God wants to bring to us. So I want to read the, the, the word refreshing is not found in Acts 2, 17 and 18, but it is found in Acts 3, 19. And so I want to talk there, uh, bring that to your remembrance. Repent, the, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Where do they come from? Yeah, and there are times of refreshing, okay? I, I think oftentimes we wish, I wish I had it 24-7. I wish I had it 365 days in a year. I wish this refreshing would always be there. You know, in a way it is, but you know, there's things that come into our life that seem to plug up the, the stream, that seem to plug up, you know, the avenue in which the Holy Spirit wants to bring that refreshing. It's never God's fault if we don't feel refreshed. You say amen? Yeah, it's never God's fault. There's always something in us, okay, that we need to look at and say, what is it in me that I'm not being refreshed? Okay, and so we need to look at that in our life too. So he talks about times of refreshing. Like I mentioned, the prefix re means do it again, do it again, do it again, okay, in your life. Now this week I encountered a verse in the Bible that I hadn't seen before. And uh, so I want to just speak a little bit about that. And uh, this is in Exodus 31 and verse 17. And this is what God is talking about the Sabbath day. He says, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Refreshed. God needs to be refreshed. You know, I wondered about that, and I said, God, you need to be refreshed. I always thought you were always way up there in cloud nine or higher. You know, you were always at that place where you never needed to be refreshed. And besides, I didn't really understand why God needed to rest. Why He's got all strength. He's almighty. You know, like, why does he need to rest? Why does he need to be refreshed? And, and I still don't know fully the answer, you know, to that. But that's what the Bible says. He rested, and he was refreshed. He was refreshed. And so that was on my mind, my heart, for a couple of days as I was th thinking about that for this, for Sunday. And the thought came to me gradually. Didn't come in just one big shot, you know, of revelation, but it came gradually to me. And the reason God was refreshed was that seven days before he created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. This earth as we know it was not like that, okay? There was no trees, there was no plants, there was no uh, actually distinction. It was void and empty, it was dark all the time, it was a place of death. This earth that we live on was a place of death. But God said, I want to do something in the midst of where the enemy is. Remember that he was cast down to the earth. And God said, I want to do something in his backyard that's going to be so magnificent and so wonderful that he began to create, and we know that in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, that God began to create, and not just anything, he created beautiful things. Beautiful things. 
Hallelujah. He separated light from darkness. He created the plants. He created the fish. He created the animals that are around us all the time. And uh, on the sixth day, well, before I say that, after he had created everything, he said, it is good. It's good. He looked at what he had created that day, and he said, it is good. It is good. It was something that thrilled his heart, what he had made. Because God doesn't make junk, right? God doesn't make junk. It's the enemy that makes junk. But God makes something beautiful. And we sang that course many years ago, God made something beautiful of my life. Something beautiful of my life. Hallelujah. And so when he was creating, and then on the sixth day it came, and he created all the different animals that were there that we see today, and even maybe perhaps more. But he made man in his own image and after his own likeness. And on the seventh day, God sat back and he rested and he looked at everything that he had created. And I think especially at that which he had created in his own image and in his own likeness. He says, it is very good. It is very good. It's very good. And I think God was resting at that place because he was, uh, he was, uh, he, he was drinking in. He was absorbing everything that he had created, and it was good. It was beautiful. It was something that cheered his heart, something that caused him to stand up and say, hey, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And I want you to let you know this morning, even before I get any further, that you have been, have been created in God's image, and you are beautiful to God. You are beautiful to God. You're wonderful to God. He takes delight in you. Every moment of every day, he takes delight in you. And you might be sitting here today or watching from, you know, uh, this uh, program. You might be saying, well, how can he take beauty in me? How can he think that I'm wonderful? He does. He does. In spite of what we think, he thinks we are beautiful. Because we still have the image and the likeness of God that's deep down inside. And God says, I created that. I created that. I made that. And he says, I'm refreshed by what I see. I'm refreshed by what I have done. Hallelujah. And I've discovered that in the 70-some years that I've been living, that, you know, there's times when I've done something, and, I, you know, I've done sometimes a very poor job, and I go home and think, oh, man, you know, how can I change this? You know, uh, but there's sometimes I, I think, boy, it sure went good today. You know, whether drywalling something or whatever I did, you know, if it went good today and, you know, there was, no, uh, there was no sign of where I patched up the hole or whatever, you know, and I said, God, thanks. You really helped me today. And, you know, that refreshed my heart. It refreshed me just to know that I did something that was good. And, you know, when we do something good that God not only takes delight in, but that we can take delight in, we are refreshed inside refreshed. There's something about that that refreshes us. And, and thank God for that. And I think of Ken, you know, and, and the, all those wooden things that you made on the, you know, beautiful bowls and stuff that he made. I saw some of these last Saturday. And just wonderful, magnificent. And I'm sure you probably sat back when you were finished and you said, it's good. It's good. It's wonderful. And I'm, I'm sure you were refreshed by that. And I would just really encourage everybody, if you're retired or not retired or just plain tired, you know, just find something, you know, that can cheer your heart, that can refresh you when you're done with it, you know, and even though nobody else likes that, even though somebody thinks, well, why in the world are you doing that, you know, keep on doing it because it refreshes you. 
It refreshes you. Hallelujah. Because God wants us to be refreshed. Refreshed. Body, soul, and spirit. He wants us to be refreshed. Hallelujah. So when we carry on, we're going to talk about how this refreshing comes and sometimes how the refreshing is stopped. And we need to look at that too. Because then we'll need to get back to the Scriptures and find, what do I do in a situation like this? In uh, John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39, Jesus said, at the last day of the feast, Jesus stood and said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. You know, I, 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 I try to picture that. Jesus at the feast, I think it was the Feast of Tabernacles, last day of the feast, and the feast all lasted a whole week, seven days. Last day of the feast, Jesus stood. He didn't sit. He didn't crouch. You know, he wasn't just, oh boy, you know, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. No, I think he was excited. He was excited about what he was going to do. He says, out of your innermost being, there's going to flow rivers of living water. Living waters are going to flow from your innermost being. He says, I can't do it now, but once I am glorified, once I go to heaven, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit comes, he's not going to be in you, just a you know, little part of the Holy Spirit in you, but he's going to be like river of living waters inside of you. Hallelujah. And I remember the day that I got saved, when I invited Christ to come into my life. Actually, <laughs> I came into his life. You know, and, and I remember that day, and I felt, it just felt so good that my sins and whatever else was all done away with. Hallelujah. I felt refreshed. Why? Because it was the work of the Holy Spirit. I remember the day when I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Same thing happened. You know, uh, uh, experiencing that, you know, in my spirit man. At first, I was very timid, you know, and I, and I oh, God, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I don't want to say it out loud. Do it inside of me, not out of me. You know, you know what that's like if you're really shy, and I was when I was growing up. And, you know, I wanted God to fill me with the inside, and uh, but I didn't like that verse where it says you'll speak in other tongues. You will speak. I didn't want to speak in public, you know. And so the, when God filled me with the Holy Spirit, you know, I felt the Holy Spirit coming, wanted to rush out of my mouth. I felt that I knew it. I clamped my lips shut because I didn't want to speak. You know, the words that God wanted to give to me, I didn't want to speak that. And finally, it seemed like God just pried my mouth open, you know, and, and God can do that if he wants to, pried my mouth open, and lo and behold, two or three words came out. I had no understanding what I said, but two or three words came out, and then I said, that wasn't so bad. That wasn't so bad. And so I knelt there again, and I, you know, I said, okay, God, fill me some more. And, of course, next time more and more words came out, and, you know, gradually I was filled more and more with the Holy Spirit until it became a river of living water that began to flow. River of living water. Hallelujah. I was excited about that. Excited about that. So he talks about, in John chapter 7, he talks about a few things. Number one, you've got a thirst. If you want to be refreshed, you need to have a thirst for God. We need to have a thirst for the Holy Spirit. We need to have a thirst for spiritual things. We need to have a thirst for heaven. 
Hallelujah. Whatever it is, we need to have a thirst. If we don't thirst, we're not going to be refreshed. He says, if you will come, and he said, you, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. And who do we come to? We come to Jesus, because he's a baptizer. Okay, we come to him, and, uh, and, and, and we drink. Okay, I want to drink. You know, and if I was to drink, I'm not going to open this right now, but if I, I have to literally open my mouth, okay, in order to drink. And sometimes we think, well, I'll just drink on the inside. No, no, drink of the Holy Spirit, you know, the living waters that he gives to us, and we have to open our mouth, and we have to drink, and when we drink, then we are refreshed. And so this is why I think he's talking about that. He says you need to have a thirst. Secondly, you need to, have, you need to drink, and it's more like a commandment. You drink, okay, we got to drink. And then he says, it shall, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. I like that. Rivers of living water. You know, it's not just a static bit of the Holy Spirit inside of us. In Jeremiah chapter 2, I think it is, where he talks about, he says, I have two things against you. And he's talking about Israel. He says, first of all, you've forsaken me. And the second thing he says, you have created cisterns or made cisterns to capture the water. God said, that's not me. That's not me. That's not my living waters. It's not cistern mentality. It's river mentality that we need. It's not something that pools inside of us, but something that's got to come out of us. Okay, what he puts in, what needs to come out. It needs to be rivers of living water and not just a cistern, you know. We can say, well, you know, I was uh, saved so many years ago. I was filled with the Holy Spirit so many years ago. You know, God did this. I prophesied, you know, back in 1921 or whatever it was. You know, we can talk about all the things that have been in the past. What are we doing? We're drinking of the cistern. We're drinking of the cistern. And what he wants us to do is drink from the rivers of living water. Drink from the rivers. There's got to be something fresh today. Yesterday's manna doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. We need something fresh in our heart, in our soul, you know, in order to keep on going. And so he has promised that. He says, I will give you or out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. What if the Holy Spirit isn't flowing? We come, sometimes we have to question that. What if the Holy Spirit isn't flowing? And again, like I mentioned before, it's never God's fault. There's always something inside of us. You know, and what can we do to straighten it up? And, and I, I, I've looked at different scripture verses, and Isaiah chapter 12 is, uh, I want to read it quickly because there's only a few verses there, and if I can find it here. Isaiah chapter 12. In that day you shall say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you comforted me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw waters out of the wells of salvation. And in that day you shall say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted, sing unto the Lord, for he has done wondrous things or excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of you. I have found there's times when I need to deliberately put some things back into order in my life. 
put it back in order in my life. There's things I need to do. Maybe I'm not thirsting the way I should. Maybe I'm not drinking the way I should. Maybe I'm not praising God the way I should. Maybe I'm not being satisfied with the salvation that he has given to me. And so I need to go back to Isaiah chapter 12, and I need to read these things again, and I need to go through that. And when I say, I will praise thee, I need to praise him. I need to praise him. There's no alternative. We need to praise him. If we want to be refreshed, we need to praise him. Hallelujah. I will praise thee. Verse 2, God is my salvation. God is my salvation. It's not going to come from a church. It's not going to come from a pastor. It's not going to come from anybody else. It's not going to come from a telecast. God is my salvation. Hallelujah. And when I use that term God, I'm talking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All three of them, okay? It's hard to separate all three of them. I know all three of them have specific jobs and, uh, you know, and, and resumes, but when I talk about God, it's everybody. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So God is my salvation. God's my salvation. There is no salvation in any other place except in God. It doesn't come through religion. It doesn't come through traditions. It doesn't come because, well, I was born this way. It doesn't because of my insecurities. Salvation comes from God and God alone. Hallelujah. There's no other religion that can give it to us. It's God that gives us salvation. And we need to just really emphasize that in our life and make it solid. God, you are my salvation. You are my salvation. And God, when I'm looking for somebody someplace else to find refreshing, remind me that you're my salvation. You are my salvation because I need you. I need to get back to the basics again. God is my salvation, and I will praise him, and I will exalt him. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. Hallelujah. And sometimes, you know, we get the weary. We wonder, like, where is my strength? You know, I should be stronger than what I am. I've been a Christian for so many years. I should be stronger. You know, and, and, and sometimes we don't want to tell others how weak we are in our spirit or in our spiritual man. But, you know, there's times when we lack the strength. And we need to come and we need to remind ourselves that he's my strength. He is my strength and he's my salvation and he's my song. I like that word song. He's my song. Hallelujah. You know, we are blessed in this church with wonderful worship leaders. And the, the wonderful courses that we sing, look at the words, you know, that are there. Absorb them, drink them in, you know, and say, God, thank you for that. Hallelujah. Thank you for that. He is my salvation and he is my song. In that day you shall say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. And we can go on and on and on. It talks about these are things we need to put back into order in our life, sometimes in order to be refreshed. If I want to be refreshed, I need to put these things back in order in my life. Hallelujah. Secondly, well, there's number two on my list. Secondly, we need to do some repenting. You know, when we feel, you know, refreshing is, is not there, Month after month after month, it could be that we need to repent. Christians repent, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Same as asking for forgiveness. Asking for forgiveness and repenting are beautiful words in the Christian uh, vocabulary, right? 
There's power in, in repenting. There's power in, uh, in, in forgiveness. And we need to understand that there's power there. These are not bad words. Yeah, but I don't want to tell people, you know, that I need to repent. I don't want to tell people that, you know, that I made a mistake and I said something I shouldn't have said. You know, and I, I know I need forgiveness, but I don't want to go to them and ask for that forgiveness. We don't understand the power that's in forgiveness and power that's in repentance. Repentance should be continual as well as, boy, you know, I'm sorry I did this. You know, I just, please forgive me, you know, for what I've done or what I've said. I remember one time we, uh, I got a phone call from one of my parishioners in the church I was pastoring, and we were chatting about something, and then she said, oh, by the way, did you know that sister so-and-so uh, is mad at you? I was totally unaware of this, and I said, she's mad at me? And she said, yeah, she believes that this is what you said. And I said, that's not what I said. At least that's not what I believed, I said, okay? And so as soon as we hung up that phone, I got into my car, I went to the sister's place, and I knocked on the door, and as soon as she opened it up, I said, sister, forgive me. You know, sister, forgive me. And I'll tell you, she was a beautiful sister right to the end until God took her home. Because there's power in repentance and there's power in forgiveness. I would encourage you to get into that state again. If you are lacking the refreshing, sometimes with repentance that we need to do in our life. Hallelujah. Okay. Hard to see. You need to have a little stronger light up there. James chapter 3. Verse 14 to 18. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, lie not against the truth. This wisdom does not come from above, but it's earthly, it's sensual, it's devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace to those that make peace. Hallelujah. So he talks about the bad wisdom that's earthly, sensual, and devilish. And he says, out of that comes every evil work. And, and, and we can choose, and we have to choose, are we going to follow that kind of wisdom, or are we going to choose God's kind of wisdom? Okay, and he talks about man's, uh, God's kind of wisdom. It's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's easy to be entreated, it's full of mercy, uh, and full of good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. Hallelujah. Sometimes we just let our minds and our tongue loose in a bad way, and we think things and we say things that are not according to God's wisdom, but they're according to the enemy's wisdom. You know, we say, well, but every Christian does this. Don't make excuses for yourself, okay? If I can emphasize something this morning, don't make excuses for yourself. Take the responsibility. If we say something wrong, if we do something wrong, take the responsibility, because if we don't, we'll never recover and we'll never have times of refreshing that come into our life. We need to do that in our life. Philippians 4 and verse 8, it tells us, you know, everything that's wonderful and pure and lovely and good, and if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on those things. Sometimes we need to repent from that. And repentance simply means, I changed my mind about this. 
You know, if my wisdom is, you know, is sensual, then I need to change my mind. I need to declare, you know, it's sensual. What I thought was not of God. I need to speak that. I need to declare that as being of the devil. And I need to get back to the wisdom that comes from God. Okay, so we need to do that. And, and, and Paul is writing, he says, listen, your thoughts have to be in that form too. You know, develop your thought life in such a way, you know, that you're thinking good thoughts, virtuous thoughts, anything that's good, anything that's virtuous, think about these things in your life. Hallelujah. Pollution. You know, we can allow pollution to come into our spirits, and we need to get rid of that. I want to tell you a story, and I think this might be the end of it once I tell you the story. But in Austria, probably two or three hundred years ago, I forget exactly the date, but uh, people were moving in that part of Europe. And uh, there was a group of people, whether there were two or three families, I'm not sure, but they moved into this area where there was mountains. And uh, the mountain was very, it was, it was a nice mountain. And below the mountain, there was a nice plain. And, and they thought, this is a good place to just settle in, make our homestead, you know, and live here. Because the plain was watered. There was a stream that came down off the mountain, and it flowed down into the plain, and it was well watered. And they said, this is a good place, you know, to settle. And so they began to build their houses, and as they were building their houses, they also built a water wheel, you know, that would sit inside that stream that was there, because they needed something to grind their grain in order to make flour. So they had that way, uh, water wheel there, they had their homes, they had the stream that came down off the mountain and, you know, flowed down into the plain. It was a beautiful place, and they loved it. But it didn't take too long before they found that the stream was getting slower and slower and slower. And so they sent some of the men upstream and find out why it was coming down slower and slower all the time, and they found one, uh, you know, one place where the trees had fallen into the creek and, and, and leaves had backed up behind that, and so they cleared that up. They went a little bit higher, and they found another blockage, and so they cleared that up. And they went a little bit higher, and they found another blockage, and they cleared it up. And so they kept on going up the stream and clearing all the debris that was in the stream, you know, so that the water again would be pure and clean. Because this water was not just for the water wheel, this water was also for their drinking. And so they wanted a pure stream. And so they, uh, they, they decided afterwards that they said, we need to have somebody that keeps this stream clean. You know, keeps on going up there and takes out all the junk, you know, that is in there. And so they hired one of the guys that was a farmer. He had some extra time. And so he went up the stream occasionally. And wherever he would find a blockage, he would clear it up take out the branches, take out the dead leaves and different vegetation, you know, that was all that was there, and bringing a foul taste and a smell to the water. And so he did this. It was part of his regular job. He just cleaned the stream, you know, and the water flowed down nice and pure and clean, and it was refreshing to everybody who drank from that. Cause away the water wheel, just keep on spinning, okay, and they ground their grain into flour. Beautiful, wonderful. Years later, the village expanded, it grew, and they didn't have too many resources that came in. And they said, you know, we're spending money, but we don't, we're spending money we don't have. What are we going to do? And so one of the suggestions was, you know, we've hired so-and-so to go up the stream and to keep it clear. 
And why don't we just lay him off? You know, I'm, I'm sure the stream will be okay. And so they laid him off, and so there was nobody to go up the stream and to keep this thing clear. And so pretty soon, you know, all the dead branches fell, back, fell into the stream. Uh, the leaves and the vegetation blocked it up. And so the water wheel began to get plugged up. It was not working the way it should. The water was not very tasteful. It was not very refreshing. And so they came to the conclusion, we've got to hire that guy back because we need that stream to come down in pureness. And so they did. They hired it back, hired him back. And from that day onward, the stream continued to be refreshing and pure and clean to them. And I want to tell you this morning, you and I are the keepers of the stream in our own hearts, in our own lives. We've got to keep the stream. We've got to go up that stream, as it were, you know, the rivers of living water. We've got to go and say, God, what's plugging up the Spirit in my life? What's causing the slowness to come? How come I'm not being refreshed? Where are you, God? I thought you were always with me. You know, we have all these questions and things that come into our mind, and we wonder, we wonder what's happening. Is God not for us? Sure he is. God hasn't changed. He never will. The Holy Spirit hasn't changed. He never will. But we've allowed stuff to come into our stream, river of living water, and we have caused that to plug up some areas of our spirit and our soul man, and it needs to be cleaned out in order for the streams of the Holy Spirit to keep on flowing. Keep on flowing. Another thing that will help us in refreshing is you refresh somebody else, and you yourself will be refreshed. You re but I don't feel like refreshing anybody. I'm, I'm in such a need myself, how can I refresh somebody, you know, when I feel like I'm a wet rag, and I'm limp, and I, I'm powerless, I, I don't feel any strength, I don't feel any anointing, how can I go and, you know, and, and, and in, encourage somebody else? How can I refresh them? And Paul wrote on a number of occasions, he said, he said you know, when Timothy came to me, I was refreshed. He says, when they came and they said this to me about this church, I was refreshed. I was refreshed. Hallelujah. One of the days when I was doing some prayer walking, I, uh, as soon as I started, I think it was on a Saturday morning, and, and I saw this lady coming down the sidewalk, and she had three little dogs and, and a baby carriage, and, and uh, she was coming towards me. I was going this way. She was coming this way. And so I stopped, you know, admired her dogs, you know, the wonderful little things. Little dogs are about as big as my hand just really small ones. I admired them, and I said, you know, boy, they're so beautiful. On that, she went her way, and I went my way. Half an hour later or so, I met her on a different street, and she says, oh, we meet again. And so I thought, you know, I better tell her what I'm doing. She's going to be wondering. And so I said, you know, what I'm doing, I'm just going down the streets, and I'm blessing the homes and the people that live here. And she just put her hand up to her heart. She said, oh, she said, I accept that. I hadn't even blessed her yet, but she accepted that simply because I told her what I was doing. I wanted to bless other people. Hallelujah. You and I can be a blessing and a refreshing word 
to somebody else. Let's stand together, shall we? Father, this morning, I thank you that it's always your heart, always your heart to bring refreshing. And there's times of refreshing, yeah. Uh, maybe I've experienced it thousands of times in my life. But there's still more times when I need refreshing. And I know you're going to be faithful. You will be faithful. And Lord, if there's anything in my heart or in my spirit that's plugging up the channel where this refreshing is going to come from, maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's envy, Maybe it is, I find it tough to forgive somebody. Whatever it is, help us to understand that that wisdom is, does not come from you. And I need to repent from that. I need to change the way I think. And so, Lord God, as you lay these things on my heart, give me the power and the courage to repent. And I just long for the Spirit of God just to come. So, Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come here this morning. Speak to our hearts, and I know you have already. Speak to our hearts. And if the stream is flowing at a trickle, <laughs> help us be honest about that. If it could be far more, help us be honest about that. I know your heart is that we would experience rivers of living water. Living water. And you spoke of the Spirit of God. So I pray that we would I always aim for that in our life. I always aim for that in our life. So thank you, Holy Spirit. You're the one who brings persuasion to our hearts. You're the one who changes us from glory to glory. You're the one who brings back to our remembrance the things that we have learned. And maybe we have forgotten something, and that's causing a little bit of a plug-up in the stream. Remind us again of that thing. Maybe it's we're not putting enough trust in the God of our salvation. Maybe we're not crying out <laughs> and saying, you know, God, you're my salvation. Whatever it is, I pray that we would come back to that and we would allow your Holy Spirit just to do that eternal work that you want to do. And we just praise you. We thank you because you're more anxious to change us than we are to change. So I give you praise and I give you glory in Jesus' name.